0: Welcome to The Returning Citizen. Quick reminder that anytime we mention a program or event, it's linked under this episode on thereturningcitizen.org.
1: So first and foremost, we want to remind everyone that the U.S. has the highest rate of incarceration of any country on earth. Uh, So most of these folks return home as our neighbors. Uh, 10,000 ex-prisoners are released from state and federal prison every week. Uh, So needless to say, everybody wins when we help these returning citizens be successful. I'm Jacob Evan Smith, a Detroit-based entrepreneur and community organizer.
0: I'm Ryan Nico, a St. Louis native and voice artist who's falling in love with Detroit.
1: I'm Eric Burgess, co-creator of the
2: Returning Citizen Podcast. i served 18 years in Michigan prison for a nonviolent crime, and
1: my passion is to use this platform to assist other returning citizens. And today, we are talking about the power of providing job opportunities for folks transitioning out of prison. Yes. So just to speak on that in a little more detail, and then I'm going to hand it off here to the experts. Uh, but finding a job can be a daunting task for returning citizens for all types of reasons. So gaps in work experience, lack of access to resources, stigma, so many more uh, challenges. Uh, so today we're blessed to be talking with a team that's in the trenches addressing this, uh, this enormous challenge head on every day. Uh, so the Center for Employment Opportunities uh, has been operating for over 20 years, providing transitional employment services for formerly incarcerated individuals, operating in 26 cities across nine states, uh, serving over 8,000 annually. And so, you know, this is a a large established program that's been operating with a track record of success for many years um, and notably launched in Detroit just last year. Just last year. Just last year. So without further ado, I want to jump in and and hand it off to, to our wonderful guests here. So we are sitting here talking with Margaret Allen, who's the director of the Detroit Center for Employment Opportunities as well as Lionel Smith, who's a program participant. And so to dive right in, I was hoping that we could have each of you guys introduce yourselves in a bit more detail and kind of help us understand what does CEO mean to you?
3: All right. So thank you, Jacob, and thank you for having me on The Returning Citizen today. Um, so I am Margaret Allen. I'm the local Detroit director for the Center for Employment Opportunities. I'm a native Detroiter, Cast Tech. Um and CEO is the most important work I've ever done. So um, I have a background in education and workforce development. And um, it somehow led me to workforce development that's focused on parolees coming home. And uh, for me, it's not workforce development work. When we think about who's affected by um, incarceration, and then one of the collateral consequences, which is difficulty finding and keeping a job, it affects more than just that person. So I have um, experience being in a family, supporting an individual coming home, and it's hard. Um, it uh, affects children. It affects our city. It just affects us all. So it's just it's important work for me as a Detroiter who cares about Detroit and who cares about families um, children and uh, I'm just honored to be in this position to serve
1: we're gonna get into a bit more detail about how this issue impacts Detroit specifically in just a moment first of all Lionel tell us a bit about yourself
4: first of all thank you for having me on the podcast as always always thank uh, Margaret and CEO for being such a great support for me my name is Lionel Smith I served 29 years uh, in prison I was released March the 26th of this year. Um, I originally met one of Margaret's, I don't want to say subordinates, but one part of her team the same day I was released. I had the information for CEO, but I kind of looked over it. A month and a half later, I met Margaret, which was probably the biggest blessing so far for me since I've been home. Um, I joined the CEO team, became a part of it, went through the training, went through the initial um, job experience work, and then was placed in a job. CEO is really a family to me. They have been with me side by side since the day I met Margaret and her team. So I can't, exp- I can't really explain how important and how much they mean to me because mm-hmm. Even today, if I call Margaret or anybody in the team, they there. No questions there, right there for me. So CEO is truly um, a blessing to me.
1: Beautiful. And before we dive into the specifics, I I talked kind of at at a high level about some of the what the success looks like or kind of the scale of the program, but could you speak in a bit more detail just to kind of the, the scope and scale of, of uh, that CEO operates just to sure. give folks at home a, a sense?
3: Would it also be helpful just to kind of give an overview mm-hmm. of the program? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, generally... Our mission is to provide immediate, effective, and comprehensive employment services to individuals returning home from incarceration. So the way that that looks in Detroit is we um, receive referrals from parole directly, and we just ask that a person be over the age of 18 able to do physical labor. And we'd like to reserve the spaces in our program for those who are deemed as medium to high risk for a return. So MDOC has a risk assessment where they, they look at a number of factors and some folks rank as, um, having an increase, a higher likelihood for going back and to have the greatest impact. That's where we focus. So someone's referred to us. We do a week of, um, orientation, which really is just acclimation into the program. And then every single person who's gone through the, that orientation is hired by us. Um, and it's significant because you just got out of prison and it, you automatically think this is going to be hard. So I think that's just the first milestone of the program. You are hired. And after that, four days a week, our folks go to work for us. Um, we do a, different kinds of work. Right now our work is in the land bank. So we're doing some debris removal, landscaping, et cetera. It's very entry level work. Um and but, but the goal is to reintegrate individuals back into the workforce while in a supported environment. So we have a site supervisor that takes our um, team out every single, day, every single day to complete the work and contextualized within that work experiences. Um, daily feedback on cooperation with your supervisor, effort whether you are on time, cooperation with your peers, and personal presentation. So you're being coached and supported. In the work, and you have you you've got some space to mess up. That's the the point of it: the transitional work experience. That fifth day, um, we ha- provide job coaching, barrier removal. So if you have um, lots of child support, we've got a great partnership with Detroit mm-hmm. Justice Center. Um, we had an individual who had forty six thousand dollars in arrears in the state's arrears, just uh, discharged from that. Um, connections to housing, healthcare, navigation. Um, just various supports that are provided to help folks get stable. So once a person's determined that they're ready for employment, meaning they they're doing well with all of those things, that interview skills are great, we um connect them to a permanent job. We're excited, but then we stick with our participants for a year after that and provide ongoing support. So, um Like Lionel, for example. Lionel just got another job. (laughs) He got placed and he's been promoted and we're there to support him and and help encourage him. Right now, I'm actually uh, working on a computer class because Lionel expressed that he wants to upgrade his technical skills. So even after the the, the year, we we stay in place. And if Lionel got fired or laid off, not that that will ever happen, he can come back and work for us. Mm. And then... Um, We'll help them all over again So we try to just be comprehensive In our approach Right now we are We have the ability to serve About 75 folks annually And um, by the end of the year We should be doubling that We'll be adding an additional work crew And um, our goal in the long term Is probably to serve about A thousand Detroiters annually Per year Yeah, well, yes, Mm -hmm. per year That's the goal
0: Wow Um. If I can, Lionel, I just want to say welcome home, first and foremost. Um, Congratulations to you. And I want to kind of speak to you about your mindset upon release and how has it, if so, transformed after coming into contact with Margaret and CEO in general?
4: Like I said, doing 29 years was an experience in itself. However... I made a conscious decision to better myself. I refused to come home, and by the way, there was no guarantee that I was ever coming home. I had life, Mm. but I believed that I would come home. So in that, I worked daily on preparing myself for the day of release. And when I met Margaret, it was an opportunity. And I told myself, whatever opportunity I get, I won't squander it. So I went in with the attitude, I'm gonna make it. But they helped me because they're always encouraging, and they always there for me. And so, to me, just a personal, a personal thing to me, I won't let her down.
1: Ah, why not? That's a beautiful Mm -hmm. dynamic. I mean, you creating a family atmosphere. Not only are you providing that support structure, but it's also like the I'm not mad, I'm disappointed pressure, where it's like you also feel like you're, when you're part of a team, part of a family, that 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 keeps you motivated as well. That makes sense.
4: I go see him whenever I can, even if it's just to go down there and say, Hey, Margaret, how y'all doing? Mm -hmm. Because I appreciate it. Because a lot of people didn't want to take chances on us, Mm -hmm. but she did. And she mentioned high risk. I was considered a low risk. I wasn't even supposed to be in the program. But she got me in there Hmm. and made it happen for me. So that's just like added. I won't let you down. Hmm. I appreciate
1: it. That's beautiful. So so quickly, Eric, if you could just speak to, we've talked a lot. So Eric, notably, was also a former lifer, uh, spent 18 years. And uh, we've talked a lot about what your first job coming out what that opportunity meant just as a jumping-off point. Could you just speak to your experience in a bit more detail? My first job was working part-time in a clothing store. So
2: my equipment was a mop bucket, Mm -hmm. a mop, (laughs) and a vacuum cleaner. And I done that job with um, humility. Uh, Like Lionel said, I concur with him. uh, It's all about attitude. And that job there compelled me to um, just— it gave me, uh, just a sense of, uh, a sense of pride. I mean, I took, you know, I took life for granted before my incarceration and post I became a very humble and, uh, appreciative and grateful human being and just, uh, worked with pride. And so that compelled me to where I am today, which, I have my degree in psychology from Wayne State and about to further my education. So, uh, all right. I thank I thank God I thank God for that mop bucket. <laughs> that mop <laughs> and, that, and the and the and acting clean. Just thank God you don't know, forgive me another chance.
1: So Eric, how did you find that first opportunity?
2: Uh it was through a family member, uh through my cousin. She had a friend that owned a clothing store and he was just willing to uh, to accept me, you know. I, I know him prior before my incarceration. So he was like a family and family member and he took me in, he knew what type of person I was, so. He gave me opportunity. Yeah, gave me opportunity. I still thank him to this day. So for the mop bucket, got it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then, oh, sorry, Also, I'm gonna make this brief, please. But um, going back to Miss Allen, uh, she's she's run a very uh, respectable and uh, astounding organization. Coincidentally, I met her uh, cleanup crew. Did they tell you mm-hmm. I met their cleanup crew. Yeah. They, was clean, they was cleaning. They was cleaning a house next to our rental property. Nice. and i went i went over there they were respectable they was cordial i mean they was professional no matter if they was incarcerated or not i spoke to the young man uh i guess the site it was the site manager i forgot his name but he was very uh knowledgeable what he's done i spoke to they had young ladies on their crew which was remarkable and fortunately uh I might have a tenant out her crew toya <laughs> so was, toya was looking for somewhere to oh, <laughs> so it was i just want to know this you know you never know who's watching you and you know, I mean, they was out there doing some, you know, cussing or whatever, but they, everybody on the crew was respectful. Everybody, uh, everybody was working. Everybody's polite and cordial. And that's one thing, you know, I want to tell Margaret in person how I respect. Um, it's a reflection of her work and everyone who's working with her, a reflection of uh, a remarkable job they're doing with these returning citizens.
3: Thank you, Eric. Beautiful. That means a lot. Um, we have a really great team. Um, everyone on our team is a native Detroiter, um, has some experience of this, whether it be supporting someone coming home or having an, experienced it themselves. Um, so we, I, I was very thoughtful about who we brought into the work to support folks. Yeah. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um, it's it's work from great folks.
1: Mm. Well, well, speaking of a phenomenal team, uh, we're joined here by a late edition guest that we're very excited to have, Nina Hicks. Everyone. A job coach in the CEO program, if I'm not mistaken. That is absolutely correct. And so Nina, when we got started here, we went around and uh, Margaret and Lionel both let us know just in a bit more detail if you could introduce yourself and then also uh, tell us just what does CEO mean for you?
5: Okay, um, Nina Hicks, of course. Uh, I joined uh, CEO Center for Employment Opportunities in April of 2019 as a job coach and retention specialist. And so, primarily, um, my job is to assist returning citizens or our participants with um, work readiness, uh, employment uh, services in terms of preparing their resumes, um, preparing them from interviews, and for also. Answering that uh, very important question, which um, anyone who has a uh, conviction has to answer at some point, that conviction statement. And so how to answer that in a conversational way so that it doesn't continue to stigmatize that person. Uh, I was happy to, um, join the Center for Employment Opportunities after stalking, um, <laughs> Ms. Allen for many, 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 many months. Um, but, you know, I, I, appreciate her leadership and I appreciate her, um, bringing me on board. Um, and CEO has been, um, just an amazing opportunity for me in terms of expanding my, um, my platform in order to give back to those individuals that are returning citizens. Beautiful.
0: Um, I have a question for Margaret. You spoke on how everyone that's involved with CEO has some type of relationship with, you know, uh, parolees. And so I would assume that that alone builds a level of trust between Mm -hmm. you and the people who are released. Mm -hmm. But how would you say you all facilitate a level of trust between the parolees and their potential employers. Um, Like, how do you all go about building that trust between those two entities?
3: So um, what makes our program participants uh, a bit unique from someone who's just coming from like a jobs program is we hire our participants. So I know Lionel. (laughs) <laughs> he is coming to work. I know he's going to come on time. I know Lionel's presentation is always together. So I know Lionel. I've, we've spent some time working with him. Um if when Lionel came to us, he needed some coaching in a particular area, we did that. Um and and we we worked with him and I shouldn't say Lionel necessarily, but we we work with participants um before they go we we refer them to an employer. So when we have that employer meeting, uh, A big part of the conversation is communicating the work that's already taken place, Um, that I'm the employer of record. I'm a strong reference that can speak to whether they're going to come on time, how they respond to certain situations. And then we also... A huge selling point is that additional year support that we provide. Mm-hmm. So we always say we, we laugh and we say, when you're frustrated at your job, don't quit. Call Nina; <laughs> she'll talk you off the ledge. And if you if you do need to quit, we'll we'll show you how to gracefully handle that. do right. a letter of resignation, and let's find you something else. So, mm-hmm. the way our program is set up, the level of support we provide, and what we do on the front end makes Com- employers is pretty comfortable hmm. um, because there's a huge turnover problem just generally right now. So,
1: and All and right. Nina, can you talk about that in a bit more detail? So, the when you say job coach, uh, there's obviously the actual preparing somebody for the type of work that they'll be doing, but then also I imagine there's lots of soft skill training involved and other types of training. Um, could you just kind of speak about the the way that CEO approaches preparing somebody for? their Their next job and what type of work are you preparing them for? I guess.
5: Well, we prepare them for a variety of um, career areas, depending on uh, what their interest is. Primarily, because um, to ensure they are a good fit for an employer, we want to make sure that it's a good fit for you as the uh, participant. And so, um, as we dialogue, work with the individuals over a course of you know three, four, uh, sometimes five weeks um, in preparation of the for um, matching them with an employer. You know, we really uh, dig deep. We want to first uh, surface some of the barriers that might occur in terms of placement. Um, is there a transportation issue? Um, are there housing issues? All of those issues we try to address up front so that when we finally are able to match someone with an employer, they're not having to worry about those things as well. And so in terms of, you know, employability skills, soft skills, um, we do work. Um, through, uh, some, uh, online tools to do some personality assessments. We also, um, help them develop their resumes so that they we can pull out what those marketable skills are. And sometimes, um, uh, participants aren't aware of all the skills that they possess, um, particularly if they're not, um, those hard skills, technical skills that they've either earned, um, while they were incarcerated or they've earned on the, um, while they've been returned home. And so, just through that talk and dialogue, um, working with the personality assessments, working with um, online tools like ONET, so so they can identify some occupational areas in which their skills fit into, um, you know, those are kind of the tools that we use. Um, also, um, one of the things when I want to go back and kind of piggyback off what Margaret was saying is how we build trust with employers um, is I'm not sure if all the employers are aware that there is free fidelity bonding for um, hiring returning citizens. And so they are able to get, um, you know, a bond for an individual up to $25,000 for over a course of six months to a year um, that pretty much... Uh, says to the employer, if there is some egregious act that occurs, um, beyond hiring this returning citizen, that they will, the government re- will reimburse you up to $25,000 for that. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So also, um, some employers know and some employers do not know that there is also what they call the work opportunity tax credit and the work opportunity tax credit, um, gives that employer up to $2,500 per individual they hire that are returning citizens. And not just returning citizens. It's going to be a TNAF person, someone with SNAP um, that receives benefits from SNAP, and even veterans. And so those are the kinds of things that when we are talking about matching employers with em- um, our participants, that we share those resources with them so they know those things are free and available. And they also um, just help them promote that second-chance hiring.
1: Excellent, and then Lionel. Just the the flip side of that question, like uh, coming out of the CEO program, how how do you pitch yourself to a prospective employer, and how do you how do you explain a twenty nine year gap in your in your resume? If you don't mind me asking,
4: I know what you're asking. Well, I go as I was trained, like she taught me, with respect, able to articulate my experience in a way that says, "Hey, that was then." This is now and it helps and it has gotten me where I'm at. In fact, employees like me, <laughs> employees like me. So, but I want to talk about some more things that um, CEO has done for Please. me. Absolutely. You know, cause I've been locked up. I was locked up for 29 years. So I hadn't had driver's license. None of the, none of those things as an adult CEO help took my hand Walked me through the process, got my driver's license for me, and then took me and got transportation. Got me a free car to get back and forth to work. Nina was aggressive Mm -hmm. about accomplishing this. Assertive. She, (laughs) she, She took me miles away to get the car. And... Made sure she stayed right there with me no matter how late it was till we get the car, get everything straightened out, the paperwork, all that, and made sure that I left with that automobile. And so they are more than just an organization that helps you get jobs. They are there to walk with you side by side until you get in a position where they can say, hey, you can make it now. And I am so thankful again. To Margaret, Nina, and the CEO team.
0: Wow! So, and and this question could be for all of you. Um, in In your own words, how would you ensure long term success with the program and, and and everything? Like, what is your vision of long term success, and how are you going to get there?
3: That's a big question. Um, <laughs> uh, our vision. Uh, well, so success for me, is, um families like my approach to it is families like I've it, it affects us all. You know, um, when we don't have mothers and fathers, um, I, I don't know the statistic, but there is a large chance that the child of, his, of an incarcerated parent will be incarcerated at some point themselves. Hmm. So um, right now. Uh, Wayne County gets a third of all parolees. Wayne County out of eighty-three counties, Wayne third. Wayne County gets a third. Detroit gets a third of Michigan, parolees. a third of all Michigan parolees, and Detroit gets most of those. Um, and it's hard to figure out, you know, between the cities, but Detroit gets most. So, um, it touches us very closely. Um, I live on Six Mile and Myers, <laughs> probably a big. Um, a big percentage of my, my street has had some criminal justice center action. So I think if we can serve a thousand of those 3000 that are coming home, we we've, we've definitely made an impact because if those folks aren't going back, um, that's contributing to my neighborhood, my, ch- our churches, our communities, um, just an improved Detroit. So, um, in terms of numbers, I'd love to serve a thousand people. I'd love to see them get and keep jobs and those be family sustaining jobs. Um, And I think the recidivism will take care of itself if we can accomplish that.
0: Mm.
3: Okay. So So question then, once a person is
0: placed, that's like, yes, hey, hooray. Mm -hmm. But then, what type of resources do you all offer once they have been placed? And once you are employed, you know, how do you help them stay that way? Or how do you help you know, um specifically keep them there.
3: So Nina's our retention specialist and job coach, so she can, you know, kinda tell you about her work.
5: Right. So I'm a two for one, as they say. Um uh, once an individual is actually placed with an employer, one of my uh, primary responsibilities is to ensure that I'm in contact with that person person a uh, minimum of twice a month. Okay. And so just following up with that individual by phone, saying, hey, how's it going? Um, you know, are there any challenges that you're experiencing? And, um, if there are, then we talk through those, work through those, um, so that that person can retain employment. Now, does it always work? No, sometimes we, we get a mismatch. And so, um, if that occurs, one of the things that, well, one of the benefits, um, uh, for a CEO participant is that they can return to us and say, Hey, this is just really not working out. Um, can you help me find something else? And so we, uh, I work with our job developer, uh, Ms. Alicia Stokes. And so we, we go back at it. Um, uh, we, we start to do some what we call redevelopment. Um, was it the participant or was it the employer? Who was it?
0: Uh, <laughs> uh
5: sometimes it's the participant <laughs> sometimes it's the employer and sometimes it's the employer <laughs> and so in that redevelopment phase um we don't start from scratch but a little from scratch because i say hey let's go back over interviewing skills let's go back over workplace one on one skill sets um and and then we do it again and so then we'll send that participant back out to another place that we either source um directly um, to try to get them back into it. But I followed those participants for, for one year, for 365 days. Mm-hmm. And so, um, during that period of time, um, We have an incentive program called our Rapid Rewards Program. And so if an employer or, excuse me, a participant remains employed, each month I request from them a copy of their pay stub just for uh, evidence saying that, yes, I'm still employed. And so part of that um, submission of that pay stub to me is that they get a monetary incentive in return for that. And so each month as it builds, um, they get $25 for each month. Um, those milestone months like uh, 30, 90, 30, 60, 90, 120, <laughs> and so forth, uh, that incentive jumps to $50. Mm-hmm. And so when they reach that 365-day milestone, um, they get three one uh, $150 for completion of a one-year um, wow. retention specialist program. Mm-hmm.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Is, there, is there like a common challenge that you all have seen once they've been placed, or does everybody vary?
5: I would say it varies. Um, you know, because you're you're dealing with individuals, and sometimes you know you make it a time management issue. Sometimes you get an attitude issue. Sometimes it's just this place is just not working for me issue, and so it, it's all over the place. And so whatever happens, you know, we are here to support them, um, bring them back to you know let's say bring them back home and <laughs> re coach them, redevelop them, and send them back out again. Okay, so July
0: 2018 is when the Detroit chapter of CEO launched. Yes. Why now? Why not 2010 or 2012? Mm-hmm. Why is it happening now in
3: Detroit? Um, okay, I'll give you the long answer. So CEO was. Mm-hmm. Uh, started as a demonstration project of the Vera Institute of Justice in ni- 1970. And the goal was to prove that ra- rapid attachment to work post- post-release could have an impact on recidivism. Mm. So that was studied from for, for many years, from the 70s to the 90s. And it was found that, yes, it does impact recidivism. So CEO was incorporated into its own nonprofit in 1996. And CEO um, was in New York. So it was in various – We right now, we still – our largest presence is in New York. And um, so CEO uh, s- submitted itself t- for rigorous evaluation to demonstrate that not only could we do this work in New York, but could we do it well in other places? So um, that was 2010. And so in 2010, we had an evaluation, and yes, our work's great. But one thing that was found um, – was that we are very good at helping folks get jobs, but um, we needed some support in the retention area. So that's when this retention specialist role was created. Hmm. So before the rapid expansion happened, um, they wanted to do some study, make sure it was something that could be replicated and then replicated well. So um, since 2011, it's gone from New York to it's now. 10 states and 27 cities. And um, Detroit was a part of that strategic plan because most um, parolees nationally come home to 10 states and Michigan is one of them. So mm. we were in the plan. Um, and so we came to Detroit last year and I think it was a ripe time. Our unemployment numbers are in the single digits in theory. But with returning citizens, it's depending on who you ask between sixty-six and seventy-six percent three years after release. So mm. the time was uh, very right for us to come.
1: And, and can, you, you mentioned that uh, you know most most returning citizens return to to Wayne County and Detroit. <laughs> um, can you give us a sense of just kind of like the the numbers that you see, or like the? Uh, could you just like, speak to that in a bit more detail? Like what what is the need for providing oh,
3: jobs for so folks
1: specifically it, in Detroit?
3: It's about um, 3,300 a year that are coming home from state prison to hmm. Wayne County, mostly Detroit. Um, so we the reason we said we'd like to serve a thousand, a thousand is because yeah. I mean our one organization, um, as a new piece of this returning citizen um, serving ecosystem, we'd love to put put that den in there to serve a third of yeah. folks. So one out
1: of three would be pretty be pretty it, impactful. It would be nice. Yeah, I, be incredible. Power to you guys.
3: Thank you.
1: Before we move on from that, so uh, you and I originally met through the Greenlight Fund, uh, just through Rishi and, and the mm-hmm. whole. Uh, shout out to Rishi and the Greenlight Fund. Hey, um, could you Could you maybe just talk a bit about the role of, what what is Greenlight Fund and what yes. was the role, what role did Greenlight Fund have in bringing uh, CEO to Detroit?
3: I would love to, and thank you for mentioning Greenlight. Um, so the Greenlight Fund is, um, they are a, Venture philanthropy organization. So when I first heard that, I was like, "What's venture philanthropy?" So um, similar, similar to venture capitalists, um, they seek out um, opportunities to invest and um, with in things that have demonstrated to to work that can yield um, results. So Greenlight Fund um, seeks out high poverty cities, and they look for issues that they can invest in to. Impact. So they chose Detroit. The issue was unemployment with returning citizens because of those numbers I just, you know, shouted out. And um, they have a process where they vet organizations who have been proven to positively impact the issue. And with CEOs work and it's um, in, in so many other places, it's been demonstrated to be effective. We um, were the, the organization chosen to come to Detroit. So Greenlight Great. has been uh, really wonderful. And uh, we're grateful that we were their initial investment in Detroit. So,
1: And a, a big uh, – I know a big focus of Greenlight, as you mentioned, is like organizations that have – like a proven track record of success. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that a, a important kind of piece of the CEO model is the tracking and the yes. – de- like actually demonstrating success, not just, uh, you know – qualitatively, but right, also quantitatively, right. like actually showing, <laughs> showing, the, showing the data. So yes. Ryan and I were discussing this earlier. Um, we were just kind of talking about like, basically, how, how do you say it? You said like, like how, how do you know what?
0: Yeah, like how like, do you determine what data is relevant that, you know, relevant enough to include in the research and in this process that will lead to participant success? Like
3: how? That's a great yeah. question, Ryan. Um, and I can't say I have the answer to it. The folks at CEO, have have determined um, this 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 method. Um, data is a huge part of the work that we do on the program level. We track everything from a phone call to um, a text message to the interaction with agents, um, milestones, when you got a raise. So because our, we we carefully document everything, it, we're able to go in and 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 look at trends, we can see what's working, what's not, and then we have the data to, to look closer at why it's not working and then the flexibility to adjust. So there's, there's this great um, data person in the sky that <laughs> is responsible for this. I don't know. But um, we, 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 we track closely, and it's, it's a part of our, our daily work. Um, we use a system called Salesforce that dictates how we do things.
1: Are there are there like key performance oh, indicators yeah. that you use? To could you kind of speak to like sure. what are like the high level ones that so, that indicate success in terms of how you guys define it?
3: So, um, my KPIs include number of enrollments, mm-hmm. um, number of people who uh, complete. Oops, the number of people who complete our um, entry level orientation, um, the number of folks that we employ on our transitional work crews. We look at um, the number of people that make it to job start ready status. That's the person who's worked with us long enough to be ready to start interviewing. And then we look at the number of placements. After we look at the number of placements, we'd like to see folks keep their jobs. So we look at 30-day retention, 60-day, nine, 90, 180, 365. And even within that, um, we track milestones, raises, promotions. And th- that's the quantitative data. In the office, um, Nina and I want to know, oh, you got married. You had a baby. Mm -hmm. You bought a house. Like those are real significant developments, um, for us because that's the tangible outcome that's important to us as we do this work. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to highlight one of our participants who recently was employee of the year (laughs) for the downtown Detroit ambassador program. Oh. So, um, yeah. Um, he was Employee of the Year. So that was huge for us because he was an individual who was on the crew a little bit longer. He needed added supports so and now he he's being highlighted in, in the news be, and he credits CEO with some, you know, because of our support of him with that, so.
0: Create rock stars. Aww. All right. <laughs> or bringing it out of them, at
3: least. Yeah, I was going to say, folks come, um, it, it, their own commitment to the process and motivation and willingness, willingness to do what they're supposed to, is what drives it. Lionel did everything on his own. I appreciate the shout out, but <laughs> that's all Lionel. We just are grateful he let us help. <laughs> so
1: that's beautiful. And I uh, so another question I had uh, is just think when you think about scalability. So I noticed on the on the website you say it's a scalable solution right at the top, um, and that's something I kind of hear in the you know come into the, the language. Um, you're also mentioning that you're trying to add more and more people and you're continuing to support them somewhat, you know, kind of into perpetuity, right? You're, like, continuing to support them beyond even the the scope of the program. Um, so you're going to, like, have more and more people in the, in the mix. How, how do you think about scalability? Do people start to support each other? Is it like um, – is there – you know, are you – as the community grows, it's kind of just a bigger support network or is it um, – Or is the plan to just, like, grow the team over time? Like, how how does that aspect um, of it work?
3: Kind of everything you said. So the the plan is definitely to grow the team. Um, Mm -hmm. Right now we have the one work crew working for the land bank. And um, by the end of the year, it should be two. Um, Next year we'll be doing some work for the state on Belle Isle, which might be crew three. So um, a big part of my job is uh, looking for more crew-based opportunities, Um, we contract our work. So we could provide landscaping services or construction cleanup services or blank services. Um, So we can do that, and that allows me to serve more people. For every work crew um, opportunity that I have, I can serve 75 more people annually. Mm -hmm. So the goal is to continue to build and build until we get to that number where we really have an impact. And so um, we would definitely... Hire more staff to support that. And um, in year two, we're also l- looking to build um, build our, our presence in the community, connect with more organizations and do more things, you know, within our program. So we're building out some workshops. Um, one uh, program I want to shout out is Sato's program <laughs> and their support of juvenile lifers. So they have state
1: s- appellate. Defenders, Defenders office, office. yes.
3: Yeah. So um, my friend Anna Cohn just did mm-hmm. a life mapping workshop for them. Friend of the podcast? Yes. Anna Cohn. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd like to well do know some Anna stuff. Gons. Yes, <laughs> Anna's amazing. I'm a huge CEO supporter. But we'd like to do some stuff like that in-house, some things that are really supporting life after incarceration besides the job. Because we get employment is not the only thing, but it's the glue. And mm-hmm. we want to continue to add and add where we can support folks. Okay.
2: Uh, as the CEO of, uh, Have you ever thought about And sometimes I, I never hear this We talk about returning citizens when Once they find jobs And the support system that you give And retention specialists But also I think that employers Need to be educated On how to deal with returning citizens So I think sometimes that's a huge part Eliminated from the workforce Also Now have you, have you thought about uh, setting up a program or setting up any type of classes or any type of training for, uh, possible or potential employers yes. and how they should, uh, communicate and, uh, just, you know, you know, resolve certain issues because sometimes returning citizens have different attitudes or different personalities of the individuals who has been working there. So in, in, order for both individuals, you mm-hmm. know, just to get along, be cordial to one another, us, sometimes employers can be because they had a power. Sometimes they can't jump the gun and make a rash decision at that particular moment instead of having some type of emotional intelligence to resolve this issue, which could be uh, a very minute issue. But since you had a power, that doesn't mean your decision is always correct.
3: So, um, a lo- we have done a bit of employer education. Um, most of our employer education has focused on, uh, fair chance hiring practices. Um, And uh, really, yes, fair chance hiring process. But I I do understand what you're saying about just understanding um, the experience of the person that you that you're employing. Most of our work focuses on the the participant side of that, helping participants to manage those workplace scenarios and Coming to us instead of saying I quit or having you know a bad bad um, situation on the job, but so we haven't done any employer, I guess job retention kind of coaching um, as of yet. I don't know that that's not something we could do.
4: Oh, I just wanted to add to what Margaret was saying. They prepare us to go into these employers, and from my to my knowledge, my experience, if we're not ready then they're not going to put you in a position to sit with an employer to potentially damage the CEO brand or the individual himself. They spend hours working with us on how to deal with these employers. It's never going to be easy um, going in with that stain on us. But they prepare you for that. Hey, this is what, you know, uh, you can possibly be facing. So this is why we're giving you this, so that you will know how to deal with this in case you are faced with this situation. They spend a lot of time um, with us, preparing us to deal with the employers. To, then we have the, the training, like she talked about with the land bank, of dealing with your own coworkers. Mm-hmm. Because you, you, you put a, a group of individuals who come out of prison where basically everybody is every man for themselves. So you have to learn how to work with employers, you have to learn how to work with coworkers, and all that helps us get better because the site supervisor is there also to educate us, to train us, and to mentor us while we're going through this process. So it's it's a real, it's a blessing to have from step one all the way until it's over. They are consistently training you and preparing you. To do better,
5: and I want—I just, if I can add, um, while it might not be a formalized uh, program in terms of working with employers, uh, you know, one of the things that both myself and our um, job developer Alicia Stokes do when we meet with employers is that we really create a shield of transparency, and so you know, we have that candid and honest conversation that you know there will be some times that maybe. You know, a participant and and that's with any employee, you know, it's not just our program participant, but with any employee that they may not react how you need them to react. And so as part of um, our partnership with an employer, we say, hey, if something is happening that, you know, you feel that's not, um, you know, conducive to your work environment, give us a call. And let us allow us to have a, you know, a conversation with our program participant, maybe work through some additional um, training opportunities that that person may need. But, you know, please don't feel like, you know, you, the first thing you need to do is move determination or, you know what I'm saying, or disciplinary actions because sometimes, um, as Lionel mentioned, When people are returning home, you know, they may not have ever had a job. And so, you know, for all the great coaching I do, um, (laughs) there just still is some time that, you know, that person doesn't react, you know, what we consider on a normal uh, in a normal situation. And so as part of our conversation and dialogue with employers, we really try to create that um, opportunity for them to give us feedback as well, you know, on participants.
0: Um, I have a question for all of you, actually. As a person who is not a returning citizen, I'm not an employer and you know, it takes a village, right? So how can a person like me help in the endeavor?
3: Okay. Is Thank there a you. place for me? Yeah, there is actually. So, <laughs> um, we do as a part of our program, we do mock interviews. So yeah. we would love to. The business um, community, Detroiters who are willing to and uh, excited about giving back to help us do mock interviews with our participants. That's um, one area that I'd like to build up for um, individuals to contribute because it may the answers may look different when you're talking to Nina or you're talking to me. So that would be amazing. Um, also, we, as I mentioned, I can serve more people when I have more opportunities to via work contracts. So if within your, if you have another job, a day job, if you work for ABC company and they have opportunities where they need crew based services, they need a landscaping um, crew, et cetera, share those opportunities with me um, because that would allow us to get to help us get to that thousand number um, faster. Um. I have one, yes. yes.
5: We had an opportunity uh, just recently to partner with the uh, Legacy Mobile Boutique um, because a lot of our individuals who are uh, doing mock interviews and returning home, they may not have interview attire. And so, um, you know, we try to provide them, and we've had uh, different partnerships with the uh, Catholic Social Services as well to provide, you know, new clothing um, in terms of, uh, professional environments, just uh, professional clothing, I'm sorry, um, ties, um, you know, shirts, pants, shoes for both men and women. But, um, you know, we're seeking, um, not that we turned out any donations, but we are seeking and always looking for a professional interview attire.
1: Amazing. And then uh, playing off of that question, so for employer, for folks that might be listening that, that theoretically, theoretically could be employers working with the program, um, kind of you talked about it in a bit of detail before tax credit and some other. Uh, how how do you uh, approach an employer? So if I'm an employer listening, why 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 do I want to work with CEO and how do I get involved?
3: Okay, um, so uh, we have a job developer, Alicia Stokes. This is her the big part of what she does every day, and. Um, when she approaches an employer, um, she typically does the background research on what the what their positions are that they have available, and we talk about our extensive work to prepare participants. Um, and by the time we're sending someone on interviews, we know is this a person a welder? Do they have strengths in customer service? Or we know their background, so we try to bring a custom set of resumes to feel. Um, openings that we know exist and we talk extensively about our transitional uh, employment experience that helps reintegrate a person all the things that they have demonstrated competency on before they even will make it to that interview and then we also talk about the retention services the retention services are so important because turnover in many of the positions that we're um, sourcing is pretty high retention We'll keep a person on the job if possible. Um, helping navigate workplace barriers, um, providing, even if they needed support with transportation, we provide mm-hmm. bus tickets. Um, we assist with financial literacy during that retention period. Um, so that ongoing support is also of value to employers, but the, the, the tax credit's pretty great. <laughs> the fidelity yeah, bonding is pretty gay. Ga- Yeah. So those are all conversations we have with employers.
1: Fantastic. And then for returning citizens who who are listening, who want to get involved, kind of what what does that pathway look like? How do you how do you apply for the program?
3: Uh, Right now we're serving parolees because we have the one crew. Our goal is next year to begin serving probationers as well. Mm. Um, So if an individual has been recently paroled, we uh, would uh, just need you to talk to your agent. Talk to your agent and then your agent will send the referral and we'll move from there. But you can also reach out to us directly. Um, if you reach out to us directly, we'll talk to your agent on your behalf. You can reach us. Um, our phone number is 313-752-0680. Um, I also have a, a dedicated recruiter. His name is Tony Wise. Um, Tony's Wise direct number is three. 3- Tony Wise's direct sn- direct number is 313-400-0274. And we will do the do the legwork. So a person who's interested can just reach out and we'll get the ball rolling.
1: Fantastic. And I know you also have so the website is C E O Works, dot org. So that's ceoworks.org for more information. Um, where else can folks find more information? You guys are on Facebook and other social media? We
3: are. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on LinkedIn. Um, follow me on LinkedIn. That would be a um, great Margaret spelled a little different. M-A-R-G-R-I-T. A-L-L-E-N. I post our successes all the time. And, um, I'm actively looking for employers who are interested in, um, working with CEO participants or providing transitional work opportunities for us. So please re- you can reach out to me that way on, uh, LinkedIn.
1: Amazing. So. Any other final thoughts, guys? Before we wrap up,
3: no. Thank you so, for having us.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. Honestly, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm hugely inspired by everything you guys are working on, uh, and just the impact that that not only you're having now, but that you envision for the future. Uh, it's it's really uh, incredible and inspirational. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Jacob, you. Eric, yeah. and no Ryan. Anytime. Wonderful. And thank, thank, you. thank you, Lionel. Congratu- thank congratulations, Lionel. Thank and you, you Nina. Thank you're thank amazing. You. Everyone. <laughs> all right. Thoughts all around. And Ryan. Yeah, and thank you, guest host. Thank you to our guest host, Ryan Robinson. Oh, thank Ryan you Nico. Hopefully, me. we'll be uh, seeing a lot more of you.
0: Definitely. <laughs> Just call me. <laughs> sound like Mildred Gettis. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: and with that, goodbye. Finito.